Friends, welcome to another week of Strength for Today. I'm your host here, Eric Dykstra, and I'm just so incredibly excited and encouraged about what the Lord's put on my heart for this week. And I think a lot of you know that as I try to put these episodes out, um, I have a plan some weeks going in of where I think the Lord wants us to go. And then I'm just trying to be really sensitive to uh, being obedient to what the Holy Spirit says. And last week, we looked at the life of Paul and his conversion. And uh, I, had, I had a direction that I thought I was going to go this week, but I just really felt the Holy Spirit prompting me that he wanted us to stay in the life of Paul and really dive a little bit deeper through some of his writings, why it's in scripture, and just seeing the correlation of what Paul wrote and where it came from. Because a lot of times when you sit down and you read a book, you're trying to understand the context or the overall uh, theme of what's actually happening. And sometimes when we approach scripture, we can read for information and we can read to try to get guidance for our lives or to try to get application for our lives, but we sometimes miss the person. And I want to kind of dive in and go back and forth this week in the writing of Paul and where the place it came from in his life. Because if you understand that all these writers of scripture even had a story. They were people. They had real life experiences. And the place that a lot of their writing came from was out of their own personal experiences and difficulties and challenges that brought the transformation and the revelation of who Jesus was in their lives. And now it gave them the authority and the confidence uh, because it solidified in their heart and it softened their heart, and God put a message inside of these individuals to carry into the world. And each one of the writers of scripture had a unique identity and expression of who God was and the message that God wanted to communicate to his people, uh, not just for that day and age, but the thing that's fascinating to me about scripture is that it's eternal. Um, and it's, it's significant, and it's been from the very beginning, and it'll be until the very end uh, when we're called up to be with our Father in heaven. And so uh, we're going to dive in this week. That's what I'm really excited about, to kind of get underneath the hood, I call it sometimes, of a person's life, and to see what was it that shaped them and gave them this message. And so we're going to see a little bit of that uh, throughout Scripture. I'm going to pull out some key Scriptures and Last week, I actually ended on Friday of just giving you an example or a live illustration of just one of the ways and tools uh, that I've prayed scripture, because you know that I'm a person of the word, I value the word, and a lot of my prayer strategies and the way that I've seen others pray have been using scripture. And I know I might have moved through that fast on Friday and, and prayed those scriptures over you. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes uh, in the descriptions, both in the podcast and YouTube channel. You can find those scriptures. And I would just make a practice of meditating on those scriptures, reading those scriptures, and then beginning to pray them. And, and I know that may have moved fast, and I know it doesn't just magically, if I pray these scriptures over you or myself, they don't just magically uh, transform me and give me the revelation or the experience of those. So it takes you partnering with God to really get those scriptures in your heart. And there's going to be seasons you're going through 
where certain scriptures really begin to resonate in your heart. And this week, you're going to see some of those passages from Paul throughout many of his letters that have been life-changing for me. And I believe they can be for you if they haven't already been. So it's a great approach to scripture. It's a great way of thinking. So let's begin by thinking about this today. I spend a lot of time reading. It's one of my hobbies. It's one of the things that I love to do. But a lot of the content that I read, it's around learning to grow spiritually and trying to find the processes, the principles, the uh, tools that I can gain from other individuals who've walked with the Lord. And for me, my life's pursuit has been growing closer in my relationship with Christ, but then also God cultivating a heart within me to help others come into a relationship with Christ and to really experience the fullness, the joy, the peace that only comes from a relationship with him. And that has been the heart and even the message behind this YouTube channel and podcast of strength for today because God himself has been such that uh, source of strength for me. And I believe that's his heart for the world today as well, as he's drawing his children back towards who he is. And there's things that he can only offer that'll allow us to have the capacity to not get overwhelmed with all that's going on in our world. He's the one who can give us peace and joy. Uh, like nothing else in this world can, and one who has loved us uh, regardless of the decisions or choices that we've made. He's got a burning passion to know us, to be intimate with us, and that's why he's given us his scripture, uh, his word. That's why he's brought others into our lives who can express his love to you. And so I hope you hear that as we dive in this week, and that's why I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do. And so Think about this in terms of today. When you go into like a Barnes and Noble or you look online for books, one of the biggest areas of interest in people's lives is a movement called self-help. And that's really been growing over the last several years um, in the world, but also in our Western culture. And it's this whole idea about what we can do to make ourselves better. Self-help itself tells us that it's a life that's really focused on ourselves. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at identity and where we draw our sense and source of identity from. It can either come from the spirit, which is looking into the face of God through his word, through prayer, um, through meditation of his word, and a lot of other creative ways in which God will reveal himself to us. Or we can try to self, uh, make a self image or a name for ourselves. And this is the life of the flesh that's only concerned about me. So I want us to just take a breath and begin to dive into this because in the old Testament, one of the people that I identify with, we talked last week about, uh, people in scripture that we identify with. And Solomon has always been one that I was really intrigued by. He was the son of David. David was said to be a man after God's own heart. And that's something that um, as a personal identity statement that God's kind of given me. And then also in the form of wisdom that Solomon sought after. And even the way and in the context in which Solomon was asking for wisdom and his motivation behind it, which we'll get into uh, in a later episode. But 
Solomon was a man that was one of the wisest people who had ever lived. And I believe, you know, he wrote Proverbs, he wrote Song of Solomon, and he was just a man full of wisdom because he asked at a time when the Lord asked him, what is it that your heart desires? And Solomon asks for wisdom. And God said, because this is in your heart, Solomon, I will give it to you. And his motivation was to serve and to rule the people and to lead them according to God's ways and God's kingdom. And that in the Old Testament was the equivalent of what Paul experienced in his conversion of receiving Christ and having a personal encounter of Christ. Because in the Old Testament, even through Proverbs, it's all about the wisdom of God being expressed in our hearts. And there's this contrast between wisdom and foolishness. And I love in the New Testament, after Christ was born and came into the world, he was the living example of heavenly wisdom. Now we have an example through the New Testament and through the death, uh, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Now we were sent the Holy Spirit who gives us access to heaven's wisdom because Christ lives within. And we've spent time in Colossians talking about how Christ was the full expression of God's deity, of his divine nature. And through the apostle Peter, he said, now by through grace in, um, in mercy and in the cross, now you have access to that very divine nature of who God is. And so we have a new nature, a new identity that we've been given through being born again in the spirit. Our spirit comes to life. God begins to dwell in us and he starts to really explain and help us understand and walk into and apply our true identity. And as that begins to emerge, our level of influence and leadership significantly goes up in the world because now we're being led by the spirit and in the spirit which comes through the form of God's wisdom. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who just has a level of, of wisdom, that gift of wisdom and knowledge and the ability to hear and to see in the spirit. Um, you'll know it when you're around those people because they unlock things of the kingdom, of God's heart, uh, of his wisdom, a revelation and the word of God and how they can break it down, understand it, teach it, equip others in it. But wisdom is something that really is, is on my heart that I want to be uh, evident in my life. I want it to be evident in your life because wisdom really elevates us and it gives us the ability to live from a place of true identity. And that identity can only be found in Christ. And as we discover who Christ is, he makes more of who we are evident to the world around us. And Solomon, this is what's fascinating, and this is what I want to draw out. He was a person that was, for one of the first times in life, said, I want to process life with the mind, the heart, the perception, and the language that God does. And he understood that there was a process and learning to be developed and formed and maturing that only comes through having a relationship with God. And when God granted him this, it opened up Solomon's spiritual eyes, his ears, his heart, the language that he spoke from, and it really set him on a different course. Did he still have flaws? Did he still come short in the end? He did. 
But at the same time, it was an example that was pointing to the future of what Christ was going to come into the world to do and make accessible to us. And now we have that same opportunity to walk in newness of life because of who Christ is and because of who he is in us and what he gives us access to do. I want to draw this back to the life of Paul because last week we looked at, you know, Paul was a guy that persecuted the early church and was very adamant against what they were doing, what they were trying to establish. And at Stephen's very stoning, he was the guy that was holding the coats. And shortly after Stephen was killed, Paul went out or Saul at the time, went out and began to persecute churches at an even greater level in believers. And it was through um, experiences and people being brought into his life that really allowed Paul to come into an encounter with Jesus because he was on the road to Damascus, as you remember, and he has this vision from Christ where scales literally came over his eyes and he couldn't see for three days. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to Ananias and Ananias was sent to Saul and he said, I've got great purposes for Paul's, for Saul's life. And he's going to be a, a great conduit, a vessel of my grace. And a lot of times Paul has been termed the apostle of grace because he had such an encounter and such an experience of grace. But had it not been for Ananias, would Paul have come to know Christ at even a deeper level than what he first encountered him with? Because it was through Ananias's obedience where the scales were removed from Paul's eyes and the veil of his heart and his spiritual eyes were lifted. And all of a sudden, Paul experiences a flood, like a flood of light coming into his spirit and exposing all the things that he had been. And now Paul's life, Saul, is made, he's given the name Paul. And now Paul's life becomes about responding to the goodness, to the light, to the love of God and that is expressed throughout all of scripture. And so this week we get to dive a little bit further into that life and to see how Paul made this happen. And this is a key too, as well as our transformation goes. And, and we're gonna be looking today at transformation a little bit, um, but God brought people around Saul. And when he became Paul, he was brought around the other disciples and he had even a little bit of an edge around him where he was going off doing things on his own. But there's a guy that we'll talk about in later episodes named Barnabas. And he's another one of those guys that has been close to my heart that I resonate with because even Barnabas's name means son of encouragement. And Barnabas was the one guy who saw the good in Paul the promise that God had given Paul to say that he's going to be used and utilized greatly for my kingdom and the advancement of my kingdom. And Barnabas was that guy who saw the good in him. While all the other disciples were still a little bit hesitant, they were scared, they were afraid, but God brought Barnabas into Paul's life. And Barnabas was really the one that encouraged Paul. And for a period in a time, it says that Barnabas and Paul went out. And, and, and Barnabas had this apostolic gifting, I believe, and this prophetic gifting in him where he was able to see the greatness in Paul. And when they went into these cities and began writing these letters, it talks about Barnabas kind of being the stronger one. 
and Paul needing to rely on Barnabas's strength to be built up. You see, a big part of discipleship for us is, is for when God calls us to be an encourager to someone like Barnabas was to Paul, our heart and our goal begins to equip them and train them so that they can surpass us and where we're at and where our relationship is with God. And so that's one of my hearts and goals, even in this podcast, is to give you guys um, in, not just information, but wisdom and knowledge in the heart of God through the ways I've experienced him in my own life and giving that away to you. And that's what Barnabas did to Paul. And then Paul got to the point where uh, he almost, I mean, he kind of does surpass Barnabas. And now Paul was very gifted as a teacher and an apostle. And so you see, we have Paul's writings and so much of it, when you read through it, is incredible teaching because Paul was gifted that way to strengthen us, to deepen our walk with God. And it all came out of that one encounter that Paul had on the road to Damascus. And it was this ongoing progressive transformation that unfolded through the course of Paul's life. And each one of his letters, I believe, represents what he was personally learning in his own walk and in his own relationship with Christ. So be encouraged today, no matter where you're at that your transformation doesn't just all happen in one moment, but it's an ongoing progression, just like several weeks ago when we looked at the life of Peter, that it's ongoing. What you're learning today is preparing you for your tomorrow. And everything from your past, God has used in a way to make you who you are in the present moment. And so Jesus is that wisdom that's connecting your past to your present and, and with the partnership of the Holy Spirit, they lead you into your tomorrow. So be encouraged by that. And I want to take a few minutes here to just kind of unpack Paul's journey and his uh, progression of transformation. And one of the things I love to do is introduce you to new people, resources. And uh, I'm going to draw just for a couple minutes here on a book that I read called Transformation by Design. Um, and this was a book by a guy named David Tackle and really uh, paints some profound pictures of what transformation is. And he starts off this book uh, with this little chart. And I know you probably can't read it. Um, and if you're listening to it, you won't be able to listen to it or see it through listening. But uh, I just want to speak to a few of these things and just make us aware of the process of how God really begins to change us, because it's not just our own effort. Um, but it, there's a lot of other components that we've got to think about and uh, that kind of helps form us and makes us. And so the thing that he points out here in this top circle is the role of God himself and others in our lives. And then down here, it's the person seeking change, you and I. Um, and and in, in Paul's case, it was his own search and journey to know Christ deeper that led him to this passion and lifelong mission of connecting other people with God because of what God had done in his own life. And then there in the middle is the transformation process. And I love these little arrows that talk about the role that God has and others have, because those are two important things that I've seen in the course of my life as well. There's things that only God can do through his grace, through his mercy, through his love. 
And we've got to continue to just live in awe of God's grace and his love because it really becomes the foundation. And when you receive Christ, he becomes that foundational piece. And there's things that can only be provided through that intimate relationship of who he is. And so there's a cleansing that begins to happen. This was a great example in the life of David. You know, I love David's uh, Psalm, Psalm 20, uh, 51, verses 7 through 11. Let me just read this out in the Passion Translation. And, and I think it's going to paint a picture for us of how we move forward. But listen to David's word, because there's a cleansing that happens in this process. And it happened in Paul's life as well. It happens in David's life after he had made several severe mistakes in his life. Listen to the heart of David um, that he cries out. He says, and I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. He says, purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. And I love this cry of David, and it needs to be our starting point. I believe it was Paul's starting point as well. But he says, purify me. I'm a leper. Cleanse me. He says, wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. Guys, that's a great prayer right there alone. Regardless of where you're at, God, wash me, purify me, search me, oh God. Let your love fill my heart to where I'm overwhelmed and I'm led back to your throne of grace and mercy every day. And I discover new mercies every morning. And then he says, satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. The places within me you have crushed will rejoice in your healing touch. The Lord presses on us and he exposes things in certain times in our life, but it's to open up our heart to receive more of his love. And that's the heart of David here. He says, hide my sins from your face and erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Create a new clean heart within me, O God. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. I'm just going to ask right now that God would put a clean heart inside of us and build that hunger and that desire to know him at that level, that we would delight in him, that our desire would become uh, to please him in everything that we do. And he says, may you never reject me. May you never take from me your sacred spirit. It's God's spirit, his Holy Spirit that unlocks wisdom and revelation in the secret place of our heart. And it begins to flood us with light and love and goodness, exposing those areas of darkness within us. And that's what's happening in the spirit of David as he cries this out and becomes pure. And he says, let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Guys, letting our passion uh, for life be restored. I'm praying for that over you right now, God. I pray for a release of life being restored, that we'd be able to connect with joy because it's who you are. And then he says, hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Because there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of God's love being poured out in those verses 7 through 12 of Psalm 51. But hold me close to you with a willing spirit to obey everything that you say. That became David's crying, um, cry and his starting point. 
and I believe were the same prayers that we hear Paul pray in Ephesians 1 and 3, that he begins to pray for the church at Ephesus, that he prayed for all the other believers he had worked with. For those who didn't know Christ, he prayed this prayer that they would be strengthened in the inner man and in their spirit and in their heart, which we're going to get to here on Wednesday. But for today, uh, drawing our attention back to this. So there's a cleansing that happens from God. There's the truth of God through his word and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that begins to shape our heart and give us a direction. And it makes all these confusing parts of our thinking, our mind, our seeing kind of come into focus and alignment and we're given a new lens because it says that Jesus is the truth and his word is truth. And now he lives in us. So our life becomes about the truth and being a person of truth love. We can't receive love or give love to other people without first receiving it. And that ultimate source of love comes from God. Corrective experiences, just like David experienced uh, after some of his mess ups. So the disciples, Paul, you know, there was a, a lifetime of persecuting Christians now that he had to learn to put behind him and respond to the new that God was calling him into. So there was correction that came through guys like Barnabas and Ananias and the other disciples, because I'm sure he didn't get it all right. And Paul didn't become the pinnacle of what all disciples were to look like. He still had his flaws and there's a, a place for correction that needs to happen from those around us and through God and his word. There's a retraining that happens. So maybe you thought that this is the way that the Christian life is supposed to be. And I know for my own life, there's been times where I've been really being retrained and reformed um, through the scriptures. And then there's authentic relationships, getting in community with other people that are going to be as intentional as you are. So what are the parts that we play? There's intentionality. Just like that book I referenced last week on joyful intentionality by my friend Allison, um, there is a joyful intentionality that rises up within us that becomes curious about who God is. And that's really been one of the key pursuits. The, the top priority of my life has been to be transformed into the image of Christ and to, to really take whatever measures that it will take to become more like him, because that is the true desire of my heart. And it's the true desire of Paul's heart, we'll see in Philippians chapter three, uh, where he says, everything else that I've seen and touched and experienced in this world really amounts to nothing compared to knowing Christ and his goodness, being receptive, being receptive to the love of God, the truth of God, and allowing God to have a part in our lives, practicing these things. That's why on Fridays, I spend a lot of time giving you exercises and tools and, and down the road, hope to be able to create communities and activities where we can practice these things together. Because as we practice them, like Paul did when he was sent out, there's a part of his message that got solidified in his own heart. Because a lot of times as we step out and we practice and we do things, God gives us the next part of what we're supposed to do. That was a big part of the journey in starting this podcast and YouTube channel. I didn't have all the pieces and my ducks in a row all up front, but as I started to do them, God started to meet me and it became a partnership. 
even this week, last night, I was sitting down and writing down and kind of struggling with how I was going to pull these things together. I had a general idea. And as I got up this morning and spent time with the Lord and, you know, through worship, through reading some words, from listening to some things that encouraged me, uh, I sat down and for about an hour before recording, uh, God started to give me a direction and I become dependent on the Holy Spirit. And when I turn the camera on, I allow the Holy Spirit to work and form these things. And a lot of times, even as I'm uh, doing these podcasts and YouTube um, episodes, God begins to minister in me. I have an outline that I work off of, but a lot of times the Lord, I'm being sensitive to where he wants to go and what he wants to share as well. And I've started to learn that process, uh, which is my own unique process of the way that God works in me and works through me. So that's just a great example of some things, um, just different things that go into this whole process of transformation. There's our part, there's God's part, there's other people's part that God brings certain people into our lives. I want to encourage you more than anything is that when you think about transformation, a lot of us get stuck and there's an image that God starts to form in our head or um, maybe not from God, but maybe our own image when we try to picture who we want to be and who we want to become. And there's, we have a real enemy that's against us and gives us all these negative images and thoughts and excuses of why we can't become that person. And he, he traps us, he ensnares us into things that often get us stuck. But the whole process of being changed and transformed, I believe, uh, is much more accessible than what we really think is, is possible. In that book that I just referenced uh, called Transformation by Design, in God's original design, he was actually very brilliant and creative in the way that he designed us. And one of my goals in future episodes is to help us understand how God has wired us uh, physiologically, uh, neuro neurologically, um, and looking into some of the neuroscience of how we actually change and how our identity is formed because it's fascinating. And he's got a well-designed system but the systems and the ways we often go about our transformation are often counterproductive and not the original ways through God's wisdom and design that he's called us to be transformed. Because a lot of times we're focused on the external parts of our behavior and our moral choices. When God's real intention is to restore our heart and to walk in relationship with him. And it's not having all the answers in life. It's not having control in life. It's not about all the possessions and accolades that we can achieve, but it's really about walking with the Lord. I've said this in previous episodes that salvation is about entering into a relationship with the living God. And wisdom is the way we walk out our life with him here on earth. And it's, it's about God's heart and discovering who he is, who he wants to be with us, and him giving us the wisdom that we need for all of life. Here's just a couple things that I jotted down earlier today about that whole process of transformation. And you may not feel all these things in times of transformation, but here are just some of the things that I've experienced and that I observed even in the life of Paul. So the first thing I wrote down was a sense of balance in life, or you might call this wholeness. 
um, because there's a sense of balance that God begins to establish within our heart um, as we begin to walk with him, where we don't feel out of balance or imbalanced, uh, because maybe one day we're way over here and we're extremely overwhelmed. Other days we're really excited and it seems to be going well. And it's really hard to live in between those times where, you know, the mountaintop experiences and the lows. And I believe a walk in the spirit is learning to walk that straight line where it's not just up and down, up and down every day, but it's a consistent walk that brings balance in a lot of areas of our life which is often representative of maturing in Christ. It brings a level of peace. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of days when I look around where my peace gets robbed or stolen or even destroyed by things the enemy is doing in the world. And if I'm not intentional about renewing my peace and calling it up and understanding that he is peace in me, then I won't have a, a strong sense of peace as I go throughout my day joy. Uh, I've often defined joy as someone glad to be with me. I go throughout my entire day feeling the joy that God has in being with me. And I hope through these episodes and podcasts uh, that it motivates and inspires you to, to develop that kind of a lifestyle with God, one that's joyful. Um, there's a sense of delight, coming to the word, worship, prayer, uh, serving other people, all these different aspects that flow out of that personal relationship with Christ. It's not a duty. Uh, it's not a discipline. Um, but yes, there are disciplines that we practice to help grow in relationship with him. But really life becomes such a delight because now it's an honor and a privilege to get to love people and to serve people and to invite them into relationship with Christ themselves. And the last two things I wrote down is just a sense of being, uh, having freedom and having permission. Because as you begin to walk with the Lord, uh, one of the great things about being a new covenant believer, like Paul was, is that he had a sense of freedom. And he had permission from the other disciples. He had permission from Christ himself to, to go and to make disciples and to be sent and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because so many times when we try to be uh, legalistic, per se, or um, coming from like a religious mindset is we feel limited. We feel like we've always got to have the acceptance of, of other people. Um, and we often see the light being red, whereas the Holy Spirit, a lot of times the way he operates is he's giving you permission to be you and to do the things that are in your heart. And there's a sense of freedom in the spirit because Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So freedom and permission are two things that God wants to release into your life. And so all those kind of characteristics are uh, learning to respond to the new creation that Christ has created you to be and are exemplified in the life of Paul. I want to draw this episode to a close by just reemphasizing that transformation like we saw in the life of Paul and that you and I have personally experienced really comes through God getting inside of our heart and working in our spirit, giving us his wisdom and heart for our lives. Because in Galatians 5.22, Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit, which is Christ. And the thing that fascinates me is when you look at the life of the disciples, that he chose those 12 disciples, they were so quick to respond 
and just drop everything and follow him because I believe it was through his lifestyle, his love, his peace, patience, joy, self-control, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness that drew them in because it was out of Jesus's being that people were um, fascinated with and they saw the goodness of God being lived out through the person of Jesus. And I believe that's why Paul carried such significant influence and we've got so many of his letters in scripture because the empowering presence of that one encounter with Jesus empowered him to have a revelation and a sense of wisdom and the ability to write in such a profound way that expressed the glory and the honor of who God was. And all of Paul's writings really were an exemplify and were exemplifying the impact in the person of Jesus. And it's pointing us towards our heavenly father, father, son, and Holy Spirit. And all three of the father, son, and Holy Spirit can be seen through not only the writings of Paul, but the way he walked in life and the way he conducted his life to the world around them. Just even reminded in the gospels of when Jesus was teaching about washing the outside of a cup. And if you just wash the outside, the inside is still clean. He also used the analogy of a tombstone being whitewashed and you can make it look good on the outside, but what do you still have buried underneath the ground? It's still dead. And you can make it look real good. And that for so many of us has been what Christianity and following Christ has meant. It's about changing, looking good on the outside, externally. But God is doing a work. And through the life and the writings of Paul, we begin to see the change that this is who Paul was. He was Saul. Now we see Paul and it's the emergence of Christ in his life being exemplified through him. And now Wednesday, we get to dive in a little bit deeper and kind of take a wide um take a wide view or a scope into the diversity of his writings, but you also see a lot of uh, unifying themes about being a new creation and how we begin to walk in that newness of life. First of all, we've got to understand what it really means to be a new creation and then get a vision from God about what that looks like. And Paul, I believe, had a great revelation and gives us some great insights into what that will look like. So join me on Wednesday, where we'll take a deep dive into some of these things. Today, I just pray God's strength over you today. And I pray that even through today, that you would have been encouraged and strengthened in a very profound and real way. Because there's a strength within you that maybe you don't even realize that's emerging. God bless, and we'll see you next time.